1: Welcome to Season 4 of The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to TechSystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkillstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Killstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of understanding your customers, as well as how to find ways to meaningfully scale your business while remaining successful. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Tyler Sully Sullivan, an entrepreneur and e-commerce email marketing expert and CEO of Bomb Tech Golf. Uh, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you. Uh, so, why don't we start by uh, you giving a little background on yourself and, and what you're currently doing?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I still feel weird calling <laughs> calling myself that, but really, I'm a not a good employee um, and started my own golf brand, Bomb Tech Golf in 2012, really with zero expectations. You know, I was competing in a uh, a niche sport called World Long Drive, which is like home run derby of golf. And it was a pure passion play. It was just assembling clubs myself by hand and made a really, really terrible website. I mean, back in 2012, 13, <laughs> it was a little harder to make a website. Um, and I made a really bad one and sold nothing. And my friends made fun of me and whatever. I was just bored with my day job. And one day I'll never forget. I was on my boat, which was not a yacht, um, on Lake Champlain of Vermont. And I got an email and it was a sale. (laughs) And that was my aha moment of like, how did that happen? I'm on a boat, not at work. And I made money. And yeah. I said, let's just do more of that. And really it's, it's a story of me seeing traction in certain areas and just trying to do more of what works. And you know, I was I was fortunate with timing and I, I did work a ton, like literally 20 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, doing all the wrong stuff, but somehow find so, some of the right stuff for us, which was Facebook and Facebook ads when they came out. And that allowed us to scale to last year we just I think we just kissed 10 mil, um, just maybe a hair under with two employees. And I have another company um, that I started again by following traction with my first employee uh, called Ecom Growers where we help other brands like Bomb Tech with their email. So we've got two companies now, I'm working less than I ever have. And um, it's a crazy ride, you know, it's been nine years for me. So it's not like an overnight success, but I just did something I loved, made a bad website. <laughs> Built an audience, and, <laughs> and it was a slow burn, and, and had some uh, had some fun along the way.
1: Wow, that, no, that's that's great. That's that's exciting. I'm looking forward to to diving in here. Uh, let's as our first topic here. Let's talk about the importance of having real conversations with customers and potential customers. So, what are companies missing out when they aren't having real, meaningful conversations with their customers?
0: I mean, that's been at the core of of bomb tech and my success. And really, I think any direct consumer brand that doesn't take the time or effort to have conversations, it defeats the whole purpose, right? So like when I would post a question on Facebook or more specifically an email, which is like a big revenue channel for us, you know, people would reply and it would open up real conversations for our customer service team who are in-house and they're golfers. And it, it built real relationships. And a good example of this was and this is kind of when I first realized the power of conversations versus just like trying to push a message instead of being, yeah. you know, a regular conversation, was I think video first came out on Facebook and I hit a ball into a net and it sounds like a bomb goes off. And I said, does your driver sound like this? And I got, I think 10,000 comments, 300,000 views on, on like $300 boost back then. Nice, nice. And i don't know why but i i literally on my blackberry <laughs> not to date myself uh <laughs> commented on every comment until my thought i think my thumbs were legit bleeding um <laughs> just because i saw engagement there and wanted to know what they were thinking like what what made them comment if they had something to say even if it was something not great i would just say thanks for your comment and it really yeah. slowly built You know almost these one-to-one relationships at scale and now we do that more in email which is like in my opinion it's the same methodology but it's more direct impact on the business so like a good example of that is let's say we have two products coming out that i think one's going to do well i know nothing at this point the customers tell me so i'll say hey we're coming out with a 64 degree wedge and a chipper which one do you guys want a or b and I'm always wrong, which is which is great. um <laughs> And I thought A would win, and it's always B. And so when we get, we ask them just, hey, let us know, reply back, and we'll get. I don't know the numbers, but it's like crazy, you know, like ten thousand replies, and we can just tag those. Like, okay, we got eighty percent want B. Well, guess what? We're going to launch B. So it's yeah. it's yeah. almost like, and I think that's the core of the whole strategy. It's like. You could say let's have a conversation but unless you actually care and want to have the conversation you know that's the missing link to the strategy you can't just be like hey let me throw in an email a question so that someone replies and goes in the inbox that defeats the purpose you get you have to overall actually give a shit and care about your customers and what they want and what they want to make the strategy work over time
1: yeah well and to to follow on to that and i mean i think your example illustrates this but just to to dive a little deeper with that um how do you kind of figure out how to have, how to make something that feels more conversational at scale versus you know obviously you know to responding to to 10,000 comments every time you send something out is untenable especially as your business scales and there's more than that and you know and so on and so forth so how do you distinguish you know, between something that may fall flat and may not feel conversational versus something that will engage and, and that customers ideally will, will find engaging?
0: Yeah, we, we try to do it by what I think our bigger, biggest levers are, and we do invest in team to reply to almost every message we get. Uh, comments in 2022 seem to be less valuable than they used to be. So really, it's it's our what we consider our owned asset, which is our email and SMS list. So like we put all of our effort in terms of not just replying with you know thought out real, you know problem solving and real candid replies in the email, you know, but we also want to do it fast. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really the true. channel where, and again, it's 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 because we own that channel, right? So like Facebook the comment section in 2013 was much more authentic and valuable to us. Now it's, we will scan if there's like a big issue or, you know, an actual customer service issue, but email and SMS to us is the core most valuable place to engage or on social, we do have our own private group, which are actual owners that we will engage with. Um, So it just shifted a little bit, you know, agile, you know, things change. And for us, yeah. You know, it's all about first party data now. Um, so, email and email is one of those channels which is pretty interesting because not only is it, you know, direct, it's more intimate, um, but it drives a ton of revenue, you know. So, it's like that in end day is our biggest asset.
1: When did you start seeing that shift with, um, you know, kind of away from social media comments and towards email and SMS? Was there, you know, was there a, a point in time where it, it really started changing?
0: I, I don't know if there's a clear like cutoff day where we're like, this is just not having yeah. an impact. I'm sure there was that conversation with the team. I, I don't recall the exact date. I think it's when, the org, and I, I'm old and been doing this a while. So it's like, mm-hmm. this stuff seems a long time. I think it was 2016-ish because yeah. overall organic reach and revenue had dropped quite a bit. Um, and I think, Although we do get a lot of engagement comments still, I think that was a time where we just said, okay, you know, from a hierarchy of like tasks to do for the team, email number one, email, phone, SMS, one, two, three, right? And speed to those is the core. If we have time, we'll do you know comments, but it's a it's it's a nice to do, but not a necessary to do. Um, and we did go through the process of like you know, there's companies that will actually comment on every comment. And I did a test to just do that for like a month where I literally hammered every comment for a while on yeah. social. And it seemed to have no impact. So that was not a probably a thorough test, but, you know, it's more of like, okay, emails are on ass yeah. These comments may just be people that are feeling like they want to engage. And it's not a real, it wasn't as real as it used to be. And again, this may be me oversimplifying it, but yeah, I think it was 2016ish where we just went all in on owned assets versus platform.
1: So for other for other companies that want to achieve the same results. I mean, it sounds like even, you know, some of it some of it may be slightly anecdotal, but there's a lot of quantitative measurement and and I'm sure qualitative measurement as well. You know, so in other words, there's you've been measuring what what effects these things have pretty pretty regularly. Like, is that the starting point for for this? Or like, how how would somebody else start
0: down this path? I mean, I think it's pretty simple. I think, you, number one, it's a, uh, a mind shift, right? So like, are you actually wanting to hear from customers? If you're not, don't do it. And, and a lot of uh, owners may say, hey, I don't wanna get feedback and don't wanna get replies. And they're probably not gonna make it long-term. So I think you have to ask yourself if you want to do it. And truly, do you feel that your customer feedback is something you'll act on? And if not, maybe you shouldn't be in business, but that's the reality. Some people want to be transactional and push messages, and this would not work. So I think that's number one. And number two is simply, if you've been using email, SMS, and social to just push your, you know, your best sale, your best deals, it, it, it will take time. Because you're gonna have to almost retrain your audience that you care and you wanna ask questions. So you can't just simply be like, Guess what, guys, we've been blasting the shit out of our list with newsletters and promos that no one cares about for five years. And now we're just gonna start engaging with them. (laughs) You know, so it's yeah, yeah. you can do that, but it's gonna take some time to for them to be like, Whoa, they're asking me a question. I kind of for me personally, it's just something that was at the core because I was curious and wanted to know what they wanted from day one. So it was just part of the brand. So yeah. I think it, it depends on mentally if you want to do it. And then there will be, uh, you know, a transition where you'll maybe like, Whoa, I'm not used to this. And and we sent a lot of plain text emails that are just like, Hey, really appreciate you. You know, 2021 is a massive year, biggest year ever. Thank you so much for your business. You mean so much with, with, and that's it. And so like, yeah, some brands are like, what do you mean? They they just can't even fathom <laughs> that as an email. And I'm like, well, and another way to think about it, I think it's like if you send an email to me or to your friend, are you making a o- overly designed newsletter with 10 call to actions to send to your buddy? No. Right. You send a plain text right. like, hey man, what's up Friday? You want to get some beers? So like we right. just we're trying to be native to the platform. Not that we don't do branding. You know branded emails and you know selling but we just we mix in a lot of real like authentic plain text and just conversations and it just overall maintains a much healthier dialogue and and that asset
1: yeah i mean it sounds like you know there's kind of a commitment that you need to make on on two fronts i mean one you, to your point is this approach that you're taking may not overnight lead to you know instantaneous success or something but over the long run it does build relationships and it it builds a dialogue and then you know i think the second thing is when people give you feedback they don't necessarily expect it to be implemented but they expect to be heard right or felt felt like they're heard right so like making that the commitment that you know when the 20 percent of people vote for something that isn't the most popular thing that those people still feel like okay well you know what um, you know, they heard, my, they heard my feedback and even though my, my pick didn't win, they still are willing to give feedback next time. Would you, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, that's really all it is, is, the, is the, the reality that you care and they are being heard in any capacity. That's so much more than most brands are willing to do. And like the baseline for engagement and also customer service, which everyone's like, yeah, we've got great customer service, but really it's all terrible you know then it's like it you know it's just going in with all of this with the attitude of do the unexpected and wow them. like that's why like at least my in-house guys you know i i don't at any level manage what they do and i've given them free reign to wow customers and i had to do that personally because as the owner you know especially early days, I would cringe if I had to send out product for free or refund shipping, even if it's the customer's fault, yeah. you know, or not the customer's fault, or even if it's our fault or anyone's fault, I would just be like, man, that's going to cut the p and when I totally freed myself from that activity, you know, number one, they did a better job. Number two, customers were happier. And, and really the P&L and, and the EBITDA was higher because customers were so much happier versus the micro approach of like, oh, man, well, we can just get away with, you know, giving them a small discount because of this happened. So it's just – I don't know where I'm going with that. But, like, overall, any channel or any opportunity you have to talk with someone, just try to make them happy and wow well them, you know, and that and that's it. And for me, I had to get out of the way. I'm really, at the end of the day, I'm the problem with everything, so I just get out of the way and don't do anything <laughs> because I just – to- <laughs> Really, I have a process for each thing. Try to find people smarter than me, which is very easy, and then just try to get away, the and then it usually works better.
1: Well, that I mean that kind of that's a actually a good segue to the next topic I wanted to talk about, which is um you know just how you've been able to scale your business with um you know without a a huge staff and and all of those kinds of things. So you know, I mean, I think you know mentioning that approach of giving people freedom and autonomy to, to do what needs to be done, you know, is certainly one aspect of that. What are what are some of the other things that you that have enabled you to to be able to scale so so well without you know having so much
0: overhead and infrastructure and all that kind of stuff? For me, it, it may be different than others, but it, you know, I had two kids in my nine years, and yeah. when I first had my first child, I was working twenty hours a day, seven days a week with a newborn, and it was unhealthy for everyone. Um. And that's because I was doing everything and didn't know what I was doing. And then for me, you know, so it's life events. When I had my second child, you know, I think it was like three years later, you know, I was in the office a ton still had guys, had an office, you know, was there grinding all the time. And then I was like, this is, business is going well. I'm gonna take some time off. Like my wife deserves it, my kids deserve it. So I took six weeks off and sales went up. And that was my life event epiphany, where I was like, shit, I'm not that important. I'm I'm useless. A lot of my day doing tasks that felt felt important really weren't big levers. And it was painful in a sense that I felt like I lost a little control and importance, but it allowed me to scale far higher, lean the team up, and and really get out of the day-to-day business, which you know, it's so hard as a small business owner. And, you know, even if it's early on, I mean, I was now, that was year six or seven for me. So I had the kid thing, the kid pressure, and the, and that one moment where I was like, wow. You know, so I, I don't know if you could tell anyone, if you told me back then before my second kid, like, hey, you could do the same business and drive more revenue and work less, I'd say you're wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Because I'm the owner, I, I know everything, I'll do it better than anyone. And in reality, that wasn't true. So a lot of these like, you know, the four hour work weeks and stuff that like, people may not want that or can do that because they're mentally, I think it's a lot of limiting beliefs and what you really, uh, your mind, mind is at. But for me, that was the mind shift where I was like, wow, what am I doing? So for me, a lot of times, I, I don't have a lot of stuff to do. Like i don't have any day-to-day like tasks to do in the business other than approvals yeah. of our agencies and experts once a week so sometimes i'm like okay i guess i'll go golfing again <laughs> you know so, <laughs> right, right. so it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to complain about um but it did free me up to help my first employee launch the other business ecom growers which is a very different business to scale it's a service-based business. You know we're much younger three and a half years deep we we are a platinum clayview agency which just means we're like top i don't know 10 with revenue managed but we're small you know we got like 30 plus clients we got like eight employees and it's a more uh human intensive business to scale up and it's been challenging so that is a very different so there are two different businesses completely yeah. e-commerce is if you want it to be you can scale much easier uh because more of a function of paid traffic and and having those experts, you know, which has been great, uh, but it's heavier on cash flow, right? It's harder to, you need more capital, and then the agency is great for cash flow, right? And doesn't have really any inventory, but it's much harder to scale that business. So they all kind of have their uh, pros and cons, and you know, I just like working on stuff where, you know, my impact has, you know, it is a bigger lever. You know what I mean? And Um, that's the stuff I like, I like to work on, which isn't all, which isn't day-to-day tasks per se. So it's like, that's where I'm at with stuff is like the bigger rocks, to move that are maybe more difficult, but if you move them, you know, you you get to these bigger opportunities and bigger growth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely empathize with, um, you know, several years back before, before I sold my agency, I was definitely one of those people that would have been very skeptical if you, if you told me I could, you know, make more money and and work less and, (laughs) and all those kinds of things. You know, I think, I think there is a, you know, some of it's good. I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to believe in yourself and and your own abilities, but it can all, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? It it can also make you kind of blind to, um, other, um, types of, of logic and and reason and and all manner of other things. But, you know, to, to I, I, you, you touched on this already a little bit, but, you know, as kind of a final thing here, before we wrap up, like, what would you, what do you think would get through to someone that is just kind of like either myself or yourself, you know, as you were describing earlier on, like, what do you think would get through to, to um, show somebody that there might be a slightly different way, like maybe, yeah, maybe a four hour day or four hour work week even is, you know, is not possible or, or, or whatever, but what's a, what's a way to start thinking about this as a, you know, as a, as a baby
0: step, let's say. I don't, I don't know if I've cracked that code for other people to be candid, but I, I, this is an (laughs) exercise my partner and I do weekly where he, he's in the business at the agency. Um, you know, doing the task right, and every week we have a call, and it's essentially he tells me all the important stuff he thinks he's doing, and I say it's useless, <laughs> and it's it's yeah. it's a it's a limiting belief um, breakdown essentially, where he thinks this task has to be done by him or in this certain way, and they, and and we always go through and try to make it an SOP that anyone <clears throat> excuse me that anyone can follow. So really, we take the things that you think can't be handed off, um, to free you up, to do more important things. <clears throat> and we just make loom videos. We're like the, the, the Kings of loom video where <laughs> take something that you think is difficult to hand off. We just, I, I, I'm not in the business specifically, so I can say, I don't, I don't know what you're saying, make it simpler. Then I say it again, it yeah. just make it simpler and I can say it again. And so then we get to a point where even I not being in the day-to-day of the business and can come in and do that with the assistance of a a loom video, therefore allowing him, you know, who's like, should not be doing any day-to-day stuff in like the sending or designing, but it's easy to get roped in and jump into the doing because it feels important and tangible. Um, So I don't know. I think that's something that we've worked on and it's taken us probably as a partnership it's evolving but it's been a year and a half of us having these talks but every time we have a really difficult talk about like you know your his day-to-day job we have some breakthrough that frees him up makes the company more efficient better training therefore we can scale more so it's like depends on the business depends on the person and i think you need someone there to say dude why are you doing that it's almost like a uh, I don't know if I'd be called the uh, the coach of 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 not doing tasks, but that's essentially what I do. And it's so easy as the owner, be like, "Oh, I'll just do this real quick," and then I'll do this real yeah. quick, and then you're doing all this bullshit that actually isn't a big lever, but made you feel important um, in the day for that day. So it's a tough thing, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I th- I think that's great. Well. Uh, Tyler, thanks so much for uh, joining the show. For those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and what you're doing?
0: Yeah, so if they golf, it's uh, bombtechgolf.com is the brand. And then uh, if they're an agency, if, you know, selling anything direct consumer, uh, the agency's ecomgrowers.com. We do email and SMS marketing. So we just drive more revenue with email. And then LinkedIn, I've been fairly active. Not sure why, but just having fun on there. Uh Tyler Sully-Sullivan on LinkedIn.
1: Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Tyler Sully-Sullivan, entrepreneur and e-commerce email marketing expert and CEO of BombTech Golf for joining the show. Thanks Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.